keep bonking my head against the mic. Yeah, you're gonna get really yeah, yeah. close. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get really I'm close. Get in in there. I'm closing in here. And just whisper sexily into the microphone. Whisper gently about forming dice pools. <laughs> Tell me about forming a dice pool. Your target number is seven. <sighs> <sighs> For, <laughs> for seven, eight, nine, and ten on the die. <laughs> and if you get I can't, ten, I can't, I can't fucking keep a straight face through this. And if you roll a ten, your success explodes. It counts as two successes. <laughs> you sound, you, you sound like you're aroused by the concept of tens exploding. <laughs> that was that's what I was going. For. Okay, it was like I was just trying to do just play ASMR yes, walking yes. through the rules straight and then you were like, "No, this is lightly pornographic." I mean, isn't all ASMR slightly pornographic? pornographic? <laughs> like it, it's it is in the way that like weird fetishes are. Yes. <laughs> like safe for work fetishes, like people who are like really into people like stepping on food. Right, mm, like, yes. like that is a hundred percent a thing people are turned on by, and it is entirely safe for work. And then you get yes. these like fetish adjacent TikToks of these like white women making nachos on the counter with their butts. You know what I mean? Oh, like, no. which is like technically fetish content, but it's not because it's technically safe for work. And I feel like ASMR falls into that category because there are definitely people who just like find it relaxing and mm-hmm. you know. Um, stress relieving or it puts them to sleep or whatever and then there are other people who are like your tens count as two successes and then they just get a boner immediately like <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bonus Experience. We are a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games, and we are queer people speaking with authority about games. And yes, we swear, and you can die Die mad mad about about it. it. Yeah, that's right. Everyone here knows me. I'm Monica. I'm your Polestar host, apparently dipping into doing ASMR today. (laughs) I am a freelance writer and designer. Primarily for the Onyx Path, but also for other places too. I'm working on. I'm. I'm really hoping I can be like novelist at some point soon. That'd be cool. That'd be I mean, really you cool. are. I mean, I am, but I would like it to be like for realsies. You mean published? Yeah, I do mean published. <laughs> the realsiest. The realsiest. Yeah, I, like you know, I'm. I'm very much pro that. Like you know, if you did the thing, you did it. You, you are yeah. a novelist. If you completed the task, you are a novelist. But also, like, I want to get paid for that by a you know, a publishing house. I want that to be the realsiest. <laughs> yes. That was my attempt to introduce myself. Yeah, it was a good introduction. Thanks. I'm... No, it, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I feel introduced. All right, cool. Who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm Danielle Lozman, and I am a freelance writer and game designer, primarily with the Onyx Path, but also with other companies. 
often Magpie Publishing. I've done a little bit of stuff for Green Ronin, actually. And yeah, I am too a novelist. Oh yeah, you are. I yeah. have written a choice of games novel that I got paid for. Yeah, you did. Well, you should send me the links to where people can buy them or say the names of them. And then I'll put them in the show notes and people can go purchase them. It's called Seventh Sea of Pirates Pact. And you can buy it for $6 on Steam, the App Store, Google Play, Amazon, or the Choice of Games website. <laughs> but we're, we are not really here to talk about no. books, ASMR, or 7C. We're here to talk about rules exceptions. Yes. This is the episode we promised you, like, immediately. This is, this is the follow-up from, like, episode one of this season, where we wanted to talk about, like, games that use rules exceptions to create powers, and then... Build, like, I, I want to talk at length about, like, building systems specifically so that you can use rules exceptions to make your cool powers do some stuff. Yeah, so essentially you, you make a system and then you make your powers break that system constantly. Right, which when we say break, we mean... In a good way. In a good Everything's way. Everything's yeah. consensual here. <laughs> in a good way. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the kink of game design is that it's going to break in a way that we both yes. agree to. Uh, <laughs> we're all, we're this I don't know. we're in today, apparently. You started it. You were all like, I'm going to whisper did. really close in the microphone for no reason. I Correct, I did. I did start this. I will accept responsibility. So when you want to work with rules exceptions, and like one of my favorite Examples of rules exceptions in design is probably Malifaux, mm. because I it has a pretty clean base system. And I'm talking about the war game, not yes. through the breach. It has a very clean base system. And then because every model has to kind of be like a little character, the rules exceptions then create that flavor. So you really, when you want to do things like that, and, and I'm, we're going to, oh boy, are we going to talk about essence <laughs> in this episode? Oh, oh boy, boy, are we? Buckle up. Or if you're tired of hearing it, I would just turn the episode off, like, now. Yeah. Because we're going to talk about it yeah. a lot. So, like, when you want to create things that are really cool and flavorful and whatever, you have to sort of start with a solid base. Yes. That then gives you room to go. So the main rule says I can't attack twice, but this power says I can. Right? right. So your your basic rules should always be something fun and interesting and worth engaging with that you want to see more of. Or, you know, make an exception to right. when you apply superpowers to them. And I think, big bold statement, like superhero games really should work on this yes. design. Yes, because <laughs> like, they're literally yes, exceptions to the normal rules of the world. Right. Where, like, if I were to design a rules exceptions based superhero game, you would want to have, and like, the first thing you have to do is sort of decide where the baseline is, right? When yeah. you're when you're building a, a, a game built around rules exceptions. So, like, you kind of have to think about, if I played this game with no powers and no exceptions, what would it look like? And in Exalted's case, in Essence's case, we like the sort of very baseline would be like a heroic mortal, yeah. like a really powerful regular guy, right? And you can do that with the main system pretty, pretty slickly. Yeah. Like, people were all like, why aren't there heroic mortal rules? And I was like, it's literally just playing the game with no charms. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just playing the game with no charms. Like, 
you can still do gambits, you can still build power, you can still do war, you can still pilot a ship. Like, all those things are the base yes. rules. They're things everybody can do. The game assumes that the base level of confidence, is, competence, not confidence, competence, is a pretty badass guy. Yeah. Even if he's a regular guy. And then it's like, but you play super heroic people in the setting where we kind of assume that even regular people can be pretty badass. So here's a whole bunch of things that your super-powered guy can do that your regular guy can't do. So if I were making a super system for playing more comic booky superheroes and not the sort of exalted blend, if you were making a supers game, you would probably want to look at, like, what is our baseline, right? What does our regular dude right. look like? And I'm not super well-versed in comic books. Are you? <laughs> Uh, no, actually. <laughs> okay, cool. Me neither. Great, cool. I picked a bad example, but like, because I was like, D, who's a good example of like sort of a low level hero? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I don't follow comics. That's not really my I mean, thing. So I am a fan of superhero stories and can say that, like, mm -hmm. you know, you have a difference between, like, let's just use someone really popular who doesn't have actual supernatural powers which be like batman yeah right he's just a dude with special training mm -hmm. and some badass gadgets bat ass yeah he's gadgets. got some uh, <laughs> he's got some cool stuff he's got his superpower is yeah. money yeah <laughs> which maybe is a little supernatural if we think about it too hard but yeah it, it is you know Everything that he can do or does do is either because he's been trained really well to do it or he has enough money to buy a gadget to do something like be shark repellent. Right. I was also thinking of um, Green Arrow mm -hmm. or Hawkeye. Yes. Who's, who's literally just like a dude with really good eyesight and a bow. Yes. And like some tricks that those, those things can do. Yes. So like even then Batman, Green Arrow, Hawkeye all have some rules exceptions probably. Yeah. But like... Our theoretical system here should be able to model them being pretty badass regular guys before any of those things come into play. Right. Like, Bruce Wayne. My brain almost said fucking Bruce Willis. <laughs> also <laughs> a regular old superhero. Yeah, also a regular guy. Fairly badass regular guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, Bruce Wayne, prior to the rules exceptions that would make his bat stuff mm -hmm. and his money, should certainly be able to, like role to climb on something or sure. you know make social roles at a party in his regular guy form or you know in fact that's what his regular guy form does all the time oh uh, it sure does he sure does yeah like if we're looking at a super system with like a decent social thing specifically for playing like bruce wayne as a guy for role playing in your you know non-superheroic mode then like you may want a system that reflects that just fine and then like you have cool things like where you know Bruce Wayne excels in that arena, right? Mm -hmm. But then when you try to get to things like, okay, we're also going to talk about, like, Superman. Right. Laser beam or eyeballs. <laughs> right. Laser. Normally, people cannot shoot lasers from their eyeballs. But we have a power that says you sure can. Yep. <laughs> and then, like, ideally, a well-built rules exception system says, okay, laser beam eyeballs are just a weapon that comes out of your eyes. The laser beam eye part is narrative. Right. Right. Like, the framing of that doesn't have to be mechanical. It can be whatever you want it to be. It could be a mouth beam. It could be a finger beam. You, 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 probably the way you're writing up Superman's eye beams is the same way you're going to write up Darkseid's eye beams, the ones that zigzag. Yep. 
<laughs> you know, right? Like that, that's the same thing. It just looks different. Yep. And then, like, this, we're, we're going to stack this up the same as a weapon. It's going to do laser-type damage. It may pierce armor. It might melt metal, right? Like, building a rules exception system, I think, is basically just, like, building a very detailed toolkit. Yeah. It's like putting the bucket of Legos in, some, in front of someone, and you're like, okay, all the pieces to make anything you want are, right are in here. here. Yeah. They're right here. <laughs> Normally, you can't lock these two things together, but we say you can. Yeah, I think... When you think about it that way, and and some of that is, it's not an exception to the rule in the sense that laser beam eyeballs are not breaking any normal rules. They're not saying, right, this doesn't work that way anymore. Mm -hmm. They're an addition to the rule. They're using the rules yeah. in a way that they were intended because otherwise they wouldn't be part of the rules, but they're outside the norm. Right. Yeah. I think we'll go back to essence because mm -hmm. i have that to reference in front of me sure so one of the rules in essence is when you flurry which is an action that lets you do more than one thing at a time they have to be two different things yes. so you can intimidate someone and throw a rock at them and then the build power action one of the things that lets you like do a miscellaneous action to build up the resource power that lets you do all kinds of special attacks and whatever normally cannot be included in a flurry one of right. these multiple action actions so charms specifically allow you to break rules, and there's absolutely one of them that says you can make two attacks. Yep. <laughs> and there's absolutely another one of them that says you can flurry this build power. Yep. And then one of the other things that you have to consider when you are doing these things is that there are still limits, even when you are making rules exceptions. Yes. Like, Essence has a hard and fast rule that says you can't ever take more than two actions. I don't care if this charm says you can attack twice. You still can't attack a third time after that, even if you have something else that allows you to do so. Right. And then in a future supplement, it's not out yet, but I'm going to tease it a little bit. Um, we, we break that rule again. Um, there's some, some high essence stuff in Pillars of Creation that's like, no, you can have a third action on top of your normal two. And then it, and then it goes, but. But. <laughs> it has to, <laughs> it has to be one of these things from this list. Right. So we really paid attention to being like, okay, once you get past Essence 3, things start to get weird. We're going to make exceptions to the exceptions, but we're still going to kind of keep the limiters on. Right. And I'm just going to come out and say it. That's really hard. It is. <laughs> yeah, when I think about a... I know that Exalted is not a level-based game, but it kind of is a level-based game and that Essence's levels bit. are you know, an Essence 5 character is more powerful than an Essence 1 character, even if they have the same number of charms. Mm -hmm. It's not the number of charms. It is the ability that the charms are conveying. Right. So in a level-based system, being able to balance the options at the higher level against the options at the lower level, because the other thing you don't want to do with those higher level powers is make people want them to the point where they invalidate the use of the lower level powers. Mm -hmm. And so if a lower level power is letting you break a rule, and then a higher level power lets you break that same rule only better, that's not as good as, like, the this one lets me break a rule, and then this one lets me take that rule break and add to it. Yeah. So one of the questions that I've seen asked on forums and stuff where I don't participate but do get sent to me a lot mm. <laughs> is 
why why didn't Essence do Supernal? Why First Among Equals? Why the choices it made? Which I was... I will probably put in the design diary I intend to write at some point, but I'm going to talk about it right now. So Supernal, for those unfamiliar in core 3rd edition, allows Solars to take charms in their Supernal ability from any Essence level at any time. Yeah. So Essence 1 characters can take Essence 5 charms all the way up to the Essence 5 charm at character creation if they have the resources, right? Right. And it's supposed to be that reflective of Solars being the pinnacle of human ability and all that. And I think it succeeds in feeling that way. However, there was a very, there's some very, very, very good reasons why we didn't do that in Essence. I know that that was a complaint that people have had, so let me stop and explain why, because it's related to this topic. So if we had chosen to allow Supernal for Solars and allow this one exalt type to jump the line, uh-huh. skip the curve, go straight to Essence 5, then that means that every single universal charm set has to have an Essence 2, 3, 4, 5 option, every single one. And then that means every single ability in each solar charm set for this book and every book to come needs to have Essence 2, 3, 4, 5 options for each, for every single ability. Uh-huh. Uh, otherwise, if you're like, I'm Navigate Supernal, and we don't have Essence 2, 3, 4, 5 options in there, you are losing out. Yep. And we had such a tiny amount of space to work with. Like... I don't really think the audience understands how much we had to fit 50 pounds of Exalted in a five-pound bag, like, and, and how fucking hard that was. And well, you've I'm got to so boil it for five hours first. Yeah. You have to boil it for at least 18 months. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, and then strain it, <laughs> uh, right? And filter it. And honestly, mm-hmm. when you do that, stuff like that needs to come out. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> one of the things, because we talk about, like, space. Right. And it's not just, oh, well, we didn't have the word count. Right. It is also a level of design complexity mm-hmm. that when you start thinking about it, if the Solars have a two, three, four, five option for every single ability, for every single charm set, for all the universals, then the other Solar Likes... Mm-hmm. Need to have some something similar going on, even though they don't have supernal. Right, and you would want that in essence. If you're doing it for solars, you need to do it for the other groups. And right. now you've got this design philosophy going on for these groups, and then maybe all the celestials should just have options at every level for every skill right. for every whatever. And then now the terrestrials look a little slim in comparison. And you run into the problem of Exalted, which is it is hard to balance 10 Exalt types against each other. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Uh, So what we did instead of trying to make that extremely complicated, difficult to balance, difficult to design thing Mm -hmm. work was go, okay, universal charms and the base system define what exalt means, right? And exalt alike things. So like other things that are theoretically exalt level powerful, but are maybe not the exalted can be modeled using the base system and universal charms just fine. And then you have exalt charms that make each exalt type unique. And then rather, we rather than because we just, and and like you're pointing out, once we have to do it for solars, we have to do it for a business, we have to do it for infernals. And that's 
30% of what we're writing. <laughs> and while that probably would have been cool to see the two, three, four, five options in the core, I also know that most games, period, never make it past starting level. Yes. So one of our focuses was on making sure that the core book presented an extremely robust starting level experience. Yes. Because that is so much more important than anything else, mm -hmm. like design-wise. And back to the actual topic, that meant making sure that the core rules were extremely solid, that the exceptions were in great places, and that players felt excited and rewarded to understand the basics of the system and then figure out all the things that they can do that bend the rules. Yeah. You know, diverging from exalted essence for how a dare, moment. How, just, how dare you? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will say that for exception-based design in general, mm -hmm. like I feel like we need to do a little bit of a walk back. Okay. You know, we explained what it is. You, you take a rule, a rule set, and you break it. But I think one of the things we need to consider when we talk about exceptions-based design is that what rules we break and how we break them are not just whimsically decided by throwing a dart at the wall. Oh, God, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you create a hard and fast rule, let's call it source pool. Sure. I like that. So you've got a source pool of which you use to spend and that's how you get your powers. That's cool. You know, whatever your source pool is, however it's determined, is how it's determined that the rules for determining that are there. And then how you spend it, you know, oh, spend one, get this effect, spend two, get this effect. If you're making an exception-based system, you would not change how you calculate how much source pool you have to begin with. That right. wouldn't be a special, like, rule breaker. That's a rule. Right. Is a rule you could break, but it would yeah. be nonsensical to do that. I could see an exception that would not break the way you do that or change the way you do that, but instead maybe give you a new pool of source to spend on specific things. Right. You could, yeah. you could introduce a new pool. Right. You could introduce new ways to regain the pool. Yeah. You could make certain things free. You could make certain things cheaper or free. Mm -hmm. You could change how you spend the pool, but you should not change how to calculate what that pool is. Correct. And the reason for that is because if a, if you've got a special mechanic that's changing a core fundamental feature about your character's sheet, and not just, like, add a dot here or there, but, like, how do you do, like, I have 10 pool. Okay, well, this says that you have 15 pool when you use it. Like, what? And also, right. I'm going to have to remember that past when I use it. Yeah, that also brings up the point that, like, your exceptions should be not so exceptional that they are impossible to remember or use. Yes. Uh, you kind of want to keep it simple, stupid. Yes. Which means making your base rule something that is easy to hook things onto. When you are when you are making a core system and you want to do rules exceptions, you really want to write that core system to have interesting spaces to get bigger. Right. When I think about, like you know, the KISS system, keep it simple, stupid. Yes. It applies to so much and it makes like, I'm not going to lie, Exalted is a complicated system. 
It is. Yeah, and even Essence trimmed down is still a complicated system. It just works pretty well. Yeah, it works pretty well. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things to remember. There's a lot going on in the system. There's a lot of subsystems. I can imagine that, you know, if I were running a game, I would want a book nearby to reference. Mm -hmm. I know that ventures are on page 151 if I need to go look at them. Um, (laughs) I will never not know that information. (laughs) But I, I do also feel like it's not as complicated as it could be. And that's on purpose. Mm -hmm. And you may come up with a game system where you're like, oh, we're not going to roll dice or we are going to roll dice, but we're going to do like some logarithmic algorithm to determine like a a range of numbers or something like that. We're going to mm-hmm. solve for X. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Like the moment you start introducing like serious, complex concepts like that into your game, your rules exceptions become even more complex yeah and then it it rapidly becomes inaccessible and you should go back and listen to the episode for this one with Hiromi, where we talk at length about not doing this yes (laughs) so so when you have like roll some dice add like add some numbers together roll some dice look for a number that target numbers how many successes you have this is how many successes you need do the thing that's the core system for exalted that is the very bare bones of it. Yep. The, the most bare bones version of it is add some numbers together, roll some dice, look for a number, count successes, compare that to a small number. Did you succeed or not? Right. It is pretty simple. It's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Everything around it hinges on those truths. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of core rules that hinge on those truths. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of rules exceptions that say, oh, you can only add, you know, like your core rule is you can only add X many dice to a mm-hmm. rule. Uh, rules exception says, add some more. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the rules are like, so the basic rule is like, you get dice from situational modifiers. They mm-hmm. don't come from anywhere else, right? Like okay, bonuses and penalties are the base thing. And they usually only go up to plus three. Yeah. And then the excellency rolls up and is like, this goes up to five. Yep, up to five, baby. <laughs> Literally yep. the first exception you'll ever meet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you can add up to five dice to this thing. Now there's a core rule that says you can only add up to ten dice at any time. So those count towards it. And then later on, we're like, here's three more dice. They don't count. And because we really wanted to keep the number of coffee, ca- the number of dice in your coffee can that you're rolling to a minimum, but still feel big. The ones that go, here's some, here's even more dice, they don't count though, are pretty minimal. <laughs> pretty minimal, and as far as I'm aware, and I could be wrong about this, they often are in places where they can't stack with each other. Yeah, or if they do, it's a real big corner case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if they happen on the same step, so you can't use both of them, or right. they're not to the same kind of action. Or one is really narrow and the other is really broad, because right. you can totally activate the systematic understanding of everything to sagacity and suddenly know everything about marine biology and that gives you plus three bonus dice and then uh use your excellency for a maximum of plus eight right <laughs> you, you sure can do that but yeah we're, there's there's a bunch of other points of control so if you are looking at things where you're like no there's even an exception to the exception you still want to be thinking about how you control that right because otherwise you'll break it in the way that we didn't consent to right right <laughs> yeah so 
thinking about exceptions-based systems, and this is something that I see, speaking of broken, Mm -hmm. I often will see people talking about like, oh, this power's broken or, oh, this power, you know, so powerful. It's, oh, it's broken. It breaks the system. That can happen, Mm -hmm. but I think it happens less often than people think it does. Mm -hmm. So I think people see an exception Mm -hmm. that looks really good Mm -hmm. and imagines it happening all the time. All the time. And just being like, oh my goodness, when this happens, then this giant thing happens and it's just nuts. And that's so broken and breaks the system. And it's like, I mean, yeah, it is a big thing and it does look kind of wild, but it's such a corner case or the likelihood of it going off or situationally happening is really small. Like this is going to happen. If it happens every single game, I would be shocked. Or, like, it has narrative restraints that require a certain situation to happen beforehand or for the player to set up those situations beforehand. Or it has a limit, like, you can only do this once a story. Or it is extremely expensive so that it's impossible to spam because you simply don't have the resources to do this super powerful thing 20 times. There's all the, lots of restrictions like that. Yeah, it makes me think about, uh, in PBTA games, or at least Magpie PBTA games, they have, like, a moment of truth. Mm-hmm. or It's called Moment of Truth in Masks. I'm not sure what it's called in other games, but it's essentially this moment of you get to take directorial control over the scene and narrate what happens. It is, Mm -hmm. whoa, powerful. Yeah. But you first have to unlock it by spending experience. Like, you have to build up to it. And then once you've unlocked it, It usually means that, like, in some games, it's like, now that you've done your moment of truth, you can't do it again. Right. So you have to choose when you're going to do it. Yep. Or you do it and then you just make a new character because that was it. (laughs) Like, that was your thing. Yeah. That makes me think of uh, Heart. Mm. You read Heart at all? I have not, but I've heard of it. Okay. So each class in Heart basically has an ultimate move where, like, you get to do this absolutely bugfuck thing. Mm-hmm. And then your character dies. That's <laughs> <Yes>, amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's sort of the point. Like, Hark is all about, like, these doomed adventurers plunging into this cool and terrifying place, and then, like, everybody is kind of doomed, and that's, like, a thing you're, you you know going in, right? That's exciting. And then every, every class has a thing that lets them go out in a blaze of glory on their own terms. I want to play this game. That sounds amazing. It, it does look really, really, really cool. By the same people who did Spire, oh, way, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. way more way more interested in Heart than Spire. Yeah, yeah. Spire <laughs> does sound cool also, but, like, yeah. the way but you just described Heart, Heart sounds like... Heart has a class where you're literally a guy who's a train like a knight who's a train you have a giant like train suit of armor on and like can smash through things i forget what their ultimate go go crazy then die motherfucker Motherfucker. (laughs) yeah it it is a very like i don't remember what it does but i remember reading it and just being like yeah choo-choo motherfucker (laughs) yeah that sounds awesome cool anything else you want to say on the topic i think you know if you're designing for exceptions then start with that. Know that that's what you're planning to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that has to be your, that kind of has to be your goal from the get. And it's okay to, like, throw in a couple of exceptions after the fact, but if it's Mm -hmm. not, like, a full exception-based rule system, like, D&D is not an exception-based rule system. Not not really, no. Not really. But but there's every now and And then, 
Neither is fate. Neither is fate. Not not to drag D and D. Neither is fate. No, neither is fate. Uh, it's not dragging, right? Like that. It's yeah. just not designed that way, which is Correct. totally fine. To give some examples so that people aren't like every game I can think of is exception based. Like no, actually they're not. But even in those games, there may be a thing or a power or special ability that does create an exception, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would really call PBTA games exceptions-based either. Mm-mm, no. Yeah, not really. But, like, Story Path games are. Yes. Exalted is. Malifaux and Through the Breach are. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look at my shelf. I, You know, I don't I don't really know Pugmire or Pathfinder well enough, but I'm going to lean no. No, Pugmire is, uh, is a, a D20 system that, yeah. that cleaves very close to D&D 5th edition. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, so no, not really. But, like, yeah, they are out there. Mm-hmm. And they are also not out there. Yeah. Speaking of exceptions-based design, do you want to talk about At the Gates? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell us about it. So, At the Gates is my, we just announced it at OPPCon. You're listening to this after that. You are listening to this after that, so. It, we just announced it. We just announced it. It is a new fantasy take on StoryPath using the StoryPath Ultra system. And... It is my personal love letter to JRPGs, and the magic system that it uses looks a lot kind of like Charms in Exalted in the sense that it does a lot of exception-based things. In fact, there's magic, and then there's also what are called arts, and arts are like tactical abilities, and really that's where a lot of the exceptions are coming from. Guess who wrote them? <laughs> was it you? It was me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, very much looking forward to At The Gates. We did a little At The Gates character generation playtest. And speaking of character generation, there were some hiccups, but that was because we were working from a first draft manuscript. But yep. like, it's like that. However, once we get those ironed out, this was an excellent little guy generator. Oh, we yeah. made some, some excellent characters. We were, I'm like... A little frustrated with the manuscript, but anytime you work from a manuscript, it's annoying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. But, like, when those, I'm like, I was like, okay, some rough spots. But once those are hammered out, boy, this is going to be good. I'm so excited to make characters in this. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, like, I'll just go ahead and say, like, we made a little slime girl. Uh, slime woman. Slime woman. Sorry. <laughs> She's an adult. Yes. She's a slime woman. Slime woman. Uh-huh. Who is a, who is a, a, a caster, a spell caster. Yep. We made a little bat woman, bat yep. girl. A little, little bat person. A bat yep. person who was a, a fighter, right? I think so. And we made a pirate of what was your pirate was a fish person right fish person yeah i it just sort of undine undertale if she were stupid yeah yeah uh-huh. <laughs> and a warlord and a pirate yes <laughs> that was my character yeah uh, weston made a healer who was a little kind of rabbity person yeah a very shy very kind of like nervous yeah. uh nervous little guy and then i made a <laughs> perfectly normal human who was very ashamed about their very normal features <laughs> didn't you also have pink hair yes oh, like <laughs> naturally we like, pink hair pink hair we were like no 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 normal person but also anime protagonist yes so, <laughs> like and i think we also there's you can play very classic jrpg roles yes. like healer tank well, tank is fighter but yeah healer fighter thief mm. slash rogues slash 
spellcaster spellcaster and, then, and uh i drew a in a warlord because, because. i like controllers <laughs> yeah be, i'm and i was like listen if we're gonna do this isn't it's not because the story path ultra is not grid based right when this is sort of also a love letter to D fourth edition in a lot yes. of ways and i was like listen if there's not a warlord in this Right. I'll never speak to you again. <laughs> like, don't worry. It was already there. <laughs> you were like sold. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to threaten me. I was like, that's that's fair. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm already in this to win this. Don't worry. Yeah. And then each one of those classes, we didn't get there with this character creation because we just made characters. But like each one of those classes then has a big boy version. Yes. All classes have advanced versions, and. I, there's a plan. Each one has a big boy version in the version, the stuff that we're writing, and we have plans to do more. Yes, yes. I won't reveal anything more than no, that. Yeah, the the <laughs> goal is to have supplements that expand the base rules out, either into other additional classes, additional advanced classes, and more information on the regions and areas of the world. If you were a big fan of like adventure, assassins, essence like a ton of people who worked on all of those yes. are on this book yes so, like... I, I picked a really strong design team yeah i'm so looking forward to the final drafts because i'm certain that this game is going to be so good i am strongly inclined to agree <laughs> bxp is brought to you by the misdirected mark network Thank you. <laughs> Become a BXP patron. Patrons get an extended cut of every episode, episodes early, and a special place to hang out on our Discord, and you can support us for as little as one crisp American dollar per month. If you would rather support Bonus Experience without Patreon, you can subscribe on Coffee instead, ko-fi.com slash bonus exp, or buy our stuff. You can go to bxpcast.com slash bxpswag and check out our merch page. But don't forget that BXP is sponsored by Nerdy Cappy. You can get all kinds of rad queer swag. It's still Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember to use code BXPCAST at checkout for 10% off. It never expires. And they have, like, button downs. They got skirts that go spinny. They got dresses with pockets. They got leggings. They got cool shoes. They got those exalted bags. Yeah. You should go get yourself one of those exalted bags. They're very cool. I've been using that as my game bag. They also have, like, tapestries so you can proudly display your bisexual heraldry. Yes. Put that on your wall. All kinds of stuff. BXPCast. 10% off, and you can use it over and over again. So if you, you're like, mm, I bought some really cool shoes, but that's it for this paycheck, but I really wanted that flag, you can always go back. Yes. You can always go back. And you can you don't have to wait for it to be Pride Month again to buy Pride stuff. You can Be proud all year round. Be proud all year round. I want you to be. And if you like bonus experience, you will also like Faco with Advantage. Ange and Jared love talking about RPGs and D&D. Together they share insights into the games they're running in the campaign journal and then tackle a variety of topics that affect the game in the DM's workshop. They're going to talk anyway, so they might as well record it. Maybe you'll even pick up an ancient D&D factoid about a previous edition of the game that you'll never use. That does sound like fun. <laughs> yeah. And if you want more of bonus experience, you can find us at bxpcast.com, part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Bing. Thanks. If you want to send us an email, uh, let us know about some of your favorite exceptions-based designs or some of your favorite powers that you've seen in an exceptions-based game, you can send an email to bonusexpcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us at Bonus Experience on Tumblr. We got that up and running again. And if you want to hang out and talk to me directly and Dee and a bunch of other people, we have a Discord. You can join it at tinyurl.com slash bxpdiscord. Open 24-7 like Discords are. 
Uh, <laughs> why did I say that? Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. If you want to hear more of me, I'm a sometimes guest of the Eternal Mooncast, talking about my other special interest, Sailor Moon, which can be found at eternalmooncast.com, as well as the systematic understanding of everything, where we did a full series on explaining Exalted at exaltcast.com. D, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at daniellozon.com. It has links to my Facebook and my Twitter and other social media I don't use. And you can also find me on Discord, often in the BXP Discord lurking, and also in the Onyx Path Discord lurking. So you can find me in both those places. Yeah, I'm in both those places, too. Oh, and we're both on the Exalted Fan Court, too. Yes. Lurking. 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 <laughs> I'm old magmatids in the in the that Discord and I'm never changing it. <laughs> I forgot about it. every time I go to tag you and it's just like old magmatids. Like, right. <laughs> right. I go to type something serious and then I see my own screen name and I'm like, well, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you look for us in these public spaces. I really need to make myself a website if I'm going to become a novelist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to get around to that. Well, project for another time. Anyway, everybody get out. Out. I gotta, I gotta go get ready for a game and stuff. Yep. All right, and don't forget, change it if you want to. Do I have to do this? Ugh, fine. Bonus Experience is written by Monica uh, and edited by Margaret. Our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the attribution non-commercial Creative Commons license. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Okay, there, I read it. Now, bye.